what's going down everybody welcome to the brand new podcast here on the draft networks podcast feed baby draft good players yes we are going to talk about drafting good players here for dynasty fantasy football and you can't do dynasty without the draft and if you're talking about the draft, nobody does the draft better than the draft network. That's what we do here. Y'all know who it is. It's your boy, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ. And I am joined by my man, my co-host here in the building, Keith Sanchez at the Talent Code on Twitter. Y'all know who he is. One of the scouts over at the draft network. Keith, how you doing this morning, baby? Ray, what up, baby? Um, man, feeling good, man. Like you say, uh, we we had our first taste of preseason football last week. We three weeks away from college football kickoff. We were one month away from the NFL kicking off. So it's our time of year, right? It's when we get the we get the shine, we get the show out, let the people know the work we've been putting in. So I'm excited. Yeah, and you putting in that work, dog. Uh, I hope you you got a mock draft coming out soon. Kyle Krabs dropped the mock. Your other co-host, Damien, dropped the oh. mock. You got one coming for the people soon? Yeah, man. I, I think mine is, is scheduled for two weeks from now. So they, they gave me a little time. So that way, <laughs> but I like it, though. So that way I get to observe and I could kind of pull, you know, a couple different pieces from uh from each person's mock draft. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're going to be ready for that. Stay tapped in. And if you want to see those mocks, get a look at those early 23 mocks. Go over to draftnetwork.com and check out all the top, all the content over there. But Keith, I, I got to ask you, man. I got to ask you because I'm the new kid on the block. I just, I just got down with the team, you know, about a month and a half ago. And I just got to know, do you play fantasy football? Because this is... This is a fantasy football podcast, Keith. This is a fantasy football podcast, but I'm telling everybody out there, we not doing it like everybody else. We're not going to sit here and talk about ADP. We we want to talk about the player. Like, ultimately, I want to know, like, is this dude a good football player, right? Like, I don't care about the size. I don't care about what the fantasy community thinks. Like, when you put this player on the field, when they're in between the, the, the white stripes, can this cat ball? And that's what our focus is going to be on uh, with this podcast weekly. But, Keith, I got to know. The people want to know, do you participate in fantasy football, man? I play I play fantasy football. I haven't dove into the, the dynasty aspect oh. of it yet. You know, the, the year over year rollover uh roster situation. Um but I I, I play, man. I I'm, I won a championship in, in one of my leagues in twenty seventeen, but that was that was a while ago. So I'm I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get back on top. Yeah, yeah. 2017, that ain't gonna cut it, Keith. I'm just like, that's a long time ago, man. 2017. But here, here's the thing, man. But isn't that what it's about, right? Like you want to be able to find, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's the NFL draft, you want to be able to find cats that can ball, right? Like, can this dude play? I know the consensus community may not like him, but, you know, from your talent evaluation standpoint, from what you scout, from what you see, your experience with the game, you've got an idea of who can ball and who can't ball. And I just want to spend a few minutes getting, letting the people get a chance to know you, Keith, and your background in football, how you got into scouting. Did you play ball? Did you coach ball? Like, who is Keith Sanchez and why do you do what you do? Why do you love the draft so much and and just football in general? What's your background in the game, man? Yeah, so I, I mean, I could probably make this the rest of the podcast, but I'm I'm gonna cut it down to five minutes. Nah, right? nah you talk, nah, talk about it, cause this, cause that's the thing, Keith. People want to know: Do these cats know what the hell they're talking about? Like, what's their background? You're telling me this guy's a good player. Like, tell me your background. What do you have? What's your experience in this game? The people need to know. 
Right. Okay. So, so getting started in personnel and scouting, I'll be completely honest. I had no idea. Right. I, I was your your typical guy who played football. Right. Played high school football. Wanted to play college football. Um. Went to walk on at Southern University. Uh. Blew my knee out, and you know things were pretty much over. When I talked to the doctor, he told me, "Look, I I can repair your knee. I'm not sure if your knee will ever be exactly the same." So knowing and understanding that. I knew that I wanted to still be around the game, right? Like I knew that. And so <clears throat> being around the game meant working in football in some capacity. I, I had such a passion for the game that I was like, look, man, I don't care if it's, you know, being the water boy, if it's being whatever, I eventually want to work my way into coaching. So that was my situation at LSU. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to where somebody said, look, I have an opportunity if you're a student at LSU, you can work in our personnel department as a student first. I had no idea what personnel was. I hear about general managers on TV, you know, front office, but you, I didn't know what they did on a day in and day out basis, right? Boom, walk into the office. They they give me my film. I have my Exos film pulled up. I have my clicker. I still remember the first person I ever watched was Sean Shivers, the running back at Auburn, the 5'5", 170-pound guy. I watched him, I believe, his sophomore year. That was the first person I ever watched. I think that was 2016. Um, and fell in love with the process from them because with that process, man, it's it's it, it fits my personality, right? Like when you're talking about moving with strategy, um, you know, being able to pull certain strings, when you're talking about constructing a team, when you're mm. talking about this applying, you know, you could say analytics, you can you can say um, knowledge, and, and it's, it's really all-encompassing, right? And, and that's one thing I fell in love with about the evaluation process and, and, and just team building, man. And, and I think that kind of it goes with um, with fantasy football, right? Because ultimately you're building a team. You Whether it's a snake draft or right. you know, whatever, you know that, okay, I have these amount of picks. Yep. I have to put together this team. I have to think about who's going to jump in front of me. Then you also have to survey your room, right? Because you understand little nuances like this. If you're playing with a bunch of Dallas Cowboys fans, right? <laughs> most likely, and what I'm saying is this, most likely the Cowboys fans are going to go earlier because that's the people that they're familiar with. So you say, okay, cool. I know that CeeDee Lamb is probably going to go in the top 15, even if it's not warranted. Right. Probably still, somebody's going to draft them, right? And so you start to realize, okay, if the Cowboys fans, then they probably don't like the Eagles. So you know what? A.J. Brown might be there a little while longer. So, man, you, I just I just love strategy, man. Just sitting back, being able to observe, um, understand the scene, and, and being able to apply. So, yes, yeah, so I got into um, working at LSU and then – was offered a full-time position, worked there for four years. We all know 2019 uh, reached a, you know, the mountaintop national championship, being able to see what a championship program and, and what it looks like. Um, a championship standard, I always reference this quote by Bill Walsh, and he always says, champions behave like champions before they're champions. Mm. And I mean, that you have to set that standard before it's there. And so that was something that I, I always tried to hold myself to that standard, even before we were uh, champions in 2019. And that's something that I always try to live by. So, man, it's, it's you know, just that process. I left um, LSU the, after the COVID year, so after the 2020 season. And then, you know, being with the Draft Network, me, Kyle Krabs, Paige Demacos, we had a conversation just about what the Draft Network was doing. And 
I liked it, right? I, I love the attention to detail that is a football first, that we actually watch the film. It's not people just tweeting stuff out there. And they were passionate about being great, right? They were passionate about being the best. They were passionate about being champions. And I said, you know what? I can see myself as a good fit with this. And then it's, it's, it's been up from there. Man, this is, um, you, you dropped a lot of, a lot of good stuff in there, Keith. And I think you, you touched on some things, just championship standard and your experience in the game. And for those people who are out there like, okay, you tried to walk on a Southern and LSU are very close to one another for people yeah. out there. I mean, it's ge geographically like it's, it's right there. It's, uh, yeah, 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 it's, it's right there. So you had an opportunity to experience football, man, in a way that I don't care if it's fantasy football. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, betting sports gambling, like you've had an experience with the game that a lot, a lot of people don't get, Keith. A lot of people don't get the opportunity to not only, you know, have a chance to play college ball, but to coach at a premier school that that wins a national championship, man. Like that is, uh, I think that and your your passion of the game and what the Draft Network does, like you said, people people out there may not know, but you spend hours daily scouting and evaluating and watching yeah. and, you know, agreeing and disagreeing and we get in these meetings and we're disagreeing on cats right like we we've had our Bijan robinson jameer gibbs conversations we'll oh, save we that for another day but just <laughs> tell me the biggest thing that you've sort of when when you're looking at a player right and you're scouting the player what are some of the things that we don't see from the tape like you got a chance to see joe burrow and justin jefferson and jamar chase day in and day out what are some things that make players good that you cannot tell, no, no matter how much film you watch? Like, what are some of the things that we should be paying attention to? Like, I'm right now at training camp. You're hearing, you know, people say that, oh, I came in out of shape, uh, you know, not working hard. I got other shit going on. Like, what are some of the things that make players good that we can't tell from film or analytics? So I would say this. I wouldn't say that you can't tell, but it's not highlighted in the film and those who've been around the game try to identify it. And that's just simply being a dog. And, and let me explain this, right? I'll, I'll take the people into our 2018 season, right? Um, we know Joe Burrow, he had the Heisman campaign, right? But we forget that he was at LSU the year before. And I think Joe Burrow might've had 20 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Like he he threw a pick six against Florida, right? To like lose the game and not speaking bad on him, but that's just what happened, right? Um, and so in that season, you know, that was the year where we had Devin White, who's a top five, yep. top 10 linebacker, right? One of the most ferocious guys. We had Greedy Williams and we were at practice one day. We were doing end, end zone drills, right? Like you're going in, going end zone. So the second team defense was going against the first, I mean, the second team offense was going against the first team defense, right? And they intercepted whoever the, the backup quarterback was at the time. So obviously, you know, they talking trash to the backup quarterback, X, Y, Z. Joe Burrow hops up off the sideline and he, he, he starts talking shit back to them, right? Like, you know what? We ain't doing this. So Joe, Joe Burrow t tells the OC, put me in the game, right? Comes in the game, first place, snap, boom, throws a touchdown. Then he gets in their face and start talking trash back to them. <laughs> and like I said, and you got to think about it, this is before Joe Burrow is the Heisman guy, right? right. He's talking to Devin White, the top five Buckets Award winning linebacker. But you know what? That let me know he has guts 
And that's something I always try to look for throughout the film and just to see if something ever shows where like, you know what? This dude got some dog to him. Like at the end of the day, like he gonna show up because no matter how much they try to change the rules of the game of football, football is physical, football hurts. Yeah. And it's those guys that inflict pain on other guys that I'm like, you know what? Get that guy on my team. So just the, the effort plays, the the high motor guys, the guys that's flying around on the football field, because that's that's the game changing plays. When you think about a Tyron Matthew, right? Majority of and I hate I'm not going to say majority. Half of the Tyron Matthew plays are strip fumbles, right? Like that's that's what he's known for and famous for. But how do you get that? You get that by chasing down a football play, mm-hmm. right? Because just imagine if Tyron Matthew had a low motor, he wouldn't be the honey badger. No, you get what I'm saying. So it's it's the little things that matters in the game, and that's what I always try to I always try to find and identify. And I, I think when you know you because I've, I've had the experience of being on the sideline right and you get to look these guys in the eyes I always talk about that game when we played Alabama at Alabama and we did good we got up on them earlier I think we was up by like 20 points going into half and then I remember Najee Harris all 6'3 230 pounds of them going up in the air kind of spinning pirouetting catching a touchdown and then the whole crowd goes crazy right and then Alabama just installed the strobe lights, right? They just started the strobe lights, so it's it's the it's strobe lighting. It's it's a hundred thousand people yelling at you, and in that moment, you know, I'm 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 with the defensive backs, and our defensive back coach is talking to the DBs, and it's like, hey, bro, we got to get it together, you know, like we 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 at war now, and and you you like to look them in the eyes, and you still see that calmness and that confidence. Now, there's some guys you can look in their eyes, and you're like, yeah, they out of it. <laughs> we yep. got to get out of here ASAP. Um, so, man, that's that's always one thing I, I love. And that's the, you can say intangibles or you can say, you know, it just is the simple term, the street term is dog, right? And then I always like to identify and look for that in players. So everybody listening to this, if you didn't know, Keith has the experience. He is qualified. He is qualified <laughs> to talk about players, to talk about uh, you know, aspects and characteristics of players that make them good or some things that they need to improve on to make them better. And Keith, I didn't I did not have the the pleasure, the 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 the, the skill that you have of of coaching at a division one level, right? I, I have I've got no experience at the division one level. Uh coming out of high school, man, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, I had some scholarship offers coming out. Uh, the biggest school that I had was Boise State, man. I went on my recruiting trip. Orlando Orlando Scandrick was actually my uh, host when I went out there. And I won't, no, I, I, won't, I won't talk about what happened on that trip, but we had a good time. And uh, I thought I was going to be at Boise State, but I was a little bit of a knucklehead in high school, man, and got in trouble uh, senior year of high school. And I remember the day, man, because my mom and I had went to – this was a long time ago. We had like Nokia phones where you could take the case off and switch yeah. it out. So I was switching my cell phone number over to an Idaho number. Like I was like, I'm ready to go. Like we're getting ready to go. I wasn't a highly touted recruit. I was like a late guy. So they only had like one scholarship left. They was gonna they was gonna kick that to me. Got in trouble. They ended up pulling it. They called me today. I remember when the coach called me, it was like, Ray, man, you know. You know, if you got something else, you know, you know, we're not going to be able to offer you what happened, man. And I'm thinking, shit, it's March. I ain't, got, ain't nothing left. Like, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Right. Like, this is what I was waiting on. But luckily, man, you know, 
I, I always I will forever be grateful for that position coach and uh, his name was Coach Tuivai from from Boise State. He had a contact at a D two school in Nebraska, and you know yeah. Division two and one double A, they getting people whenever. Like, oh, you D one was recruiting you, we'll bring you on. And, you know, they ended up connecting me and, you know, ended up giving me some bread to go out there and play ball out there. And Keith, I remember going in because I was in the same recruiting class as Danny Woodhead. And I remember hearing about this cat and I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, this white boy can't be that good, man. Ain't no way. You know, they, 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 I'm in my mind, I'm the prize recruit. I'm the corner that was supposed to go to Boise. Yeah, like, yeah. and, and, and they talking about this kid and I'm reading everything about him. Broke Gale Sayers, Russian record in Nebraska, all this stuff. I'm like, he can't be that good, dog. Like, so we get into camp, meet him, whatever. We, we recruiting classmates, we chopping it up. I never forget the first padded practice in the fall. I'm playing backside corner. They run a, t it's a pursuit drill. We ain't even, we ain't even run a full speed. It's pursuit drill. I'm backside corner. They run a toss to the opposite side. So, you know, angle, right? Just yeah. run to the sideline and cut them off. Now I'm running, right? Danny running. I'm running. This white boy running. And I can't, I can't get that. This is the first practice. I can't get the angle. So the coach chewing me out. I'm a true freight. Get the angle, Garvin. All you got to do, just run to the spot. And I'm thinking, damn, this white boy can move. Long story short, man, he went on to win uh, the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy twice in D2, the Harlan Hill. Won it twice. I think he had like 1,900 yards as a friend. I meant... The, the best football player I've ever, the best athlete I've personally ever been around was Danny Woodhead, man. And you'll walk past him 10 times on the street and you'll never, you'll never even think that this dude is a Super Bowl champion, NFL running back, one of the all-time leading rushers. I mean, he broke, when he stopped playing college, Keith, he had set the NCAA career rushing mark. He had broke Barry Sanders' record, right? That's Just crazy. a cold, cold, cold football player. Um, and then I had an opportunity to work at a, a D2 school here in Texas, Texas A&M Commerce, and we won a national championship in 2017. So you got two national championship cats on the, on the squad right now on this podcast, man. But I just wanted to, to lay the framework of who we are. And I always say this, man. One thing that I never do, dog, I've never done this, and you don't strike me as somebody that's done this either, is I'm never the type of cat that said, I played so I know more than you. Like, I yep. think that's bullshit, right? I, I'm never the type of cat to say, well, I played and I I won a national championship too and and I got to play and I got recruited. That don't mean nothing, man. You still gotta you still gotta put in the work. You still gotta understand schemes and concepts. And I think one of the big things that the fantasy space kind of is missing is understanding how all of that helps make the running back good. You know, like I'm just looking at what running back do I draft. But you can draft Najee Harris, but what does that Pittsburgh offensive line look like? Like what kind of what kind of challenges is that player going to face in the upcoming season, you know, by looking at the entire team? So one of the things that I just wanted to do at the beginning of the show is just set the foundation of who we are and where our 
evaluation when we talk about these guys from a dynasty perspective, right? Building around these guys, like our background and where where we came from, where we started and where we got to to this point today. So hopefully everybody, and we will continue to talk about this because I'm not done asking you about experiences <laughs> that you've seen and players and just nuances, but let's get into just a little bit of some things that you learned last year, Keith, because... Uh, I was at the Senior Bowl this past year as well, and I saw a lot of y'all out there. I was not affiliated with the Draft Network at the time. But, you know, leaving that Senior Bowl, man, all the talk was, I mean, I saw Malik. I talked to him just like you got a chance to talk to him. I saw Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett and all these guys, Desmond Ritter. All these guys were at the Senior Bowl. And there was a point in time, this draft cycle, Keith, this past draft cycle where we all thought, Shit, Malik is going round one. Corral may have a shot. We were talking about Ritter might have a shot. We knew Pickett would have a shot. And then all of a sudden, the draft comes around, and only one of those guys goes round one. Ritter, Malik, Corral, Sam Howe, all those dudes just fell down the board. Like, when you look back on your process or how you evaluated those, what learning lessons could we all take away from 2022 because I I'm I'm of the I'm of the mindset Keith the NFL can't get quarterbacks right the NFL get it wrong every year they can't do the oh, damn God. thing right like in <laughs> fantasy we don't know what we're doing like what what what's a what's a takeaway from the 2022 let's just talk quarterback class because I know you I know we'll save it for a few minutes I know you looked at a 2023 quarterback this morning but what takeaways do you have from that 2022 draft cycle? Let's just talk quarterbacks in general. Man, it, that was tough because draft day, I, I think I was like many people, I was sitting there confused, right? When when round one ended and Malik Willis was still on the board and then round two ended, Malik Willis was still on the board. Um, you seen the NFL do something that they probably haven't done in like 10, 15, maybe 20 years. And that was stay disciplined to their board, right? Because they started this off saying that the quarterbacks wasn't that good. And then they showed us in the draft how they felt about those quarterbacks. So what I had to look at was, I said, you know what, Keith? I said, get back to your your principles when you're watching film, evaluating film, and that's keep the main thing the main thing, and, and that's the film. And what happens is is that the, the end of the, the college football season is just the beginning of the process for us as far as evaluating, right? Because, you know, we, we hear things as far as from, you know, meetings and characters. We get to talk to these guys. So we get to, you know, develop character type, um, I guess, evaluations on them. Then we get the Senior Bowl. We got the NFL PA event. We have the Combine. You know, we have all of these other um, sources of information that flows into outside of the film. But if you just watch the film, right, then I think that that keeps it keeps you grounded in what it is because you're asking these guys at the end of the day to play football. So the only time they're playing football is on film. At the combine, they're not playing football, right? They're running drills. In meetings, they're not playing football. They're having conversations about people. So I had to understand, like, man, you know what? I'm just keeping the main thing the main thing because I'm in. In this is not a brag and it's actually a disappointment. When I initially watched Malik Willis, I gave him a third round grade. Um, and it's because I had concerns about them. And then, like you say, I started to input all of these other, you know, sources of information. And it was like, that's when I started to elevate his grade higher, higher, yep. higher, yep. higher. And I, I'm going to be honest, I even thought at some point, I'm like, man, 
the line sitting there at number two. Two. They don't like Jared Goff. They could go with Malik Willis, right? <laughs> so that's what I was thinking at some point. Um, so I, I think this this year I'm going to stay a little bit more grounded in my principles as far as, you know what, lean on the film, let the film allow me, you know, to, to kind of just guide me through the process. Man, that's listen, it's, it's not about bragging. It's about you're not the only person, man. I think a lot yeah. of people when the process started out and this is one of the things that we will not do on this on this podcast. One of the things that I pride myself on is I try very hard not to dog players out. That's just not what I do. Right. Like yeah, I can say you get you get now. I mean, to cut you off, right? but you get nothing out of it. Right. Like, right. You, during this process, you get more, and I and I can tell what type of talent evaluator you are, um, and you know just information uh, giver by you being able to paint the picture and tell me what this player's path of success is going to be. You get nothing out of saying, "Okay, he can't play." Okay, cool, everybody can say that, but tell me if you had to draft this guy, how can he become successful? Right? Like, what what is the ideal situation for him? That's when I know that you have true football knowledge and knowledge of the game. Right. And, 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 and that's what it is. But w when it started out, Keith, I think I was much like you. I'm like, all right, I see all the, the talent and the traits were never a question, right? Like, but if I'm, if I'm being, if we're being fair, there are a lot of quarterbacks that could throw the ball far, right? There are a lot of quarterbacks that have arm strength, arm talent. It's, it's, I don't, it's one of those things you want to stick to because it had you stuck to your initial evaluation, right? And you were just closed-minded and said, "Nope, I got a third-round grade on him. I'm not changing." I think it, it you don't you don't allow yourself for that growth to say, "Well, there are tools and there are traits, and he he does have the character, he does have the work ethic." It's one of those things where I just think sometimes it is wrong, right? And yeah. you aren't the only one who thought at one point in time he'd be the number two overall pick. I said that. I can go down the list of all kind of big name talking heads that said he's going to be – There's and if he falls out at number two, there's no way Carolina's going to pass on him at six. If he gets yep. past six, there's no way Washington will pass on him. And if somehow he lands at Pittsburgh at 22, Mike Tomlin definitely, definitely going to take him. So you, it ain't just us. A lot of people thought that. I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Um, that I think what we should do is that initial evaluation, like your initial thoughts – should never get erased. Like you shouldn't just erase it and dismiss it. You should always file that away. Like this is my, these are my initial thoughts. And as the process goes through, maybe at the end of it, go back to where you initially thought at the beginning before Ray Garvin and Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs put, you know, put other information in your head to think about. You should always keep that first one there. And at the very end, maybe we go back and say, okay, what did I think at the beginning and why did I think that at the beginning? And what has really changed from December to to April to make me change that thought process, right? It's just, and I'm not a scout. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a scout for TDN. I'm just a fantasy guy, right? I'm not. I don't. I. I I'm probably the least qualified to talk about this shit th than everybody else nah, in the man, squad. You, you put the work in, man. I, I. I hear you talk, man. You put the work. But in, you. Man. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, so I don't yeah. think it's a. I think that initial had you stuck with those guns, you would have looked like a genius, right? You would have you would have been you would have been the most hated, right? Oh, Keith is the one hating on on Malik. Everybody else likes him, but it's how do you apply that going into to twenty twenty three? Because 
this is that is not the sentiment with this class. Like everybody is excited. You got, you know, DP put Anthony Richardson at five in his first mock. You know, you got Krabs that says uh, me and Krabs are talking about Will Levis being the next Josh Allen. You got Bryce Young. You got CJ Stroud. You got all these quarterbacks where the sentiment is not this is a bad class, right? The sentiment is, shit, we can see five, six, six quarterbacks in round one. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's the sentiment. Like, going into this 2023 class, Keith, because that's what the Dynasty community, they want to know about it. They are they are over 2022. None of them were good. They all stink. You don't want to draft any oh, of them. Bro. They're certified bad players, but the good players are coming up in 2023. So without... Without diving too deep, because I know it's early, and, and the thing that the fantasy space, we want answers now. Keith, you tell me who the top 10 are, and you like, baby, I'm just kidding. I have no clue yet. Like, I'm just, we're getting started. We're doing, we just finished up summer scouting. We got a long way before I put that on wax. Like, these are my top guys. But when you're looking at the Youngs, the Strouds, the Levises, the Richardsons, just collectively, is this a better quarterback group from a from a prospect standpoint than what we just saw in 22? Collectively, by far. I, I could put that on wax. Like, by far, um, in, in just comparing the two classes, this is a lot easier to translate um, these guys going to the first round versus last year, right? Like, you almost have to force it and be like, I can see it if this happens. And, you know, you, we really banked on last year that – the NFL is just not going to pass up on quarterbacks, right? Like we all knew the talent deficiencies, but we bet on the fact that the NFL is always, they're always going to draft at least two quarterbacks in the first round. This year, I i mean, you you mentioned it just a couple minutes ago. You said that there could be six, seven quarterbacks going in the first round. Listen, yesterday I watched CJ Stroud and I watched Tyler Van Dyke. Van Dyke has an opportunity to be a, a second, third round guy with and that's off of last year's film. Who knows what numbers he puts up this year, right? And he can, you know, he can slide into the, the back end of the first round. So you're talking about just natural passers of the football, playing a position, upside potential, um, opportunities to be, uh, you know, leaders of franchises from the quarterback position. Yeah, this this is by far. Like, and in, in it's so much potential. When you talk about a guy like Anthony Richardson, his name is buzzing. And this, I think he, he might have took – under 200 snaps last yep. year, right? It's not many. It's not many snaps, but you just see the potential. Just him running a football, quarterback power, quarterback counter, and then the arm strength is is off the charts, right? I watched Tyler Van Dyke last night. He can sling it a good 40 yards. Like the ball jumps off of his arm. Like we talked about, Will Levis. Listen, Will Levis' issue is accuracy down the field, right? He's comp to Josh Allen. Josh Allen issue was accuracy down the field. Mm -hmm. So Will Levis is an, essentially, as a player, he's playing with house money because even if he doesn't fix it, he's still going to be comp to Josh Allen, yeah. a first-round guy. So that there's almost nothing he can do you know, to really hurt his position because as long as that comp is attached to his name, he's there. Man, Bryce Young, you, you, we've had the conversation, and I told you. It, it just reminds me of Chris Paul. This is a distributor. This is a calm, mm. cool, collective guy. He's a gamer. Um, you get the ball in his hands, allow him to survey. And you know how Chris Paul drops those dimes where you be yeah. like, that's special? You get that same vibe from Bryce Young. You say, you know what? That's special. Yeah. It's, it's not the biggest guy, but it's I special. I like so, that, Chris Paul. I like that shit, Keith. 
he just he just drops dimes, man. And I and and with CJ Stroud, he he he's raw. Like in in a say he's a baller, he's raw right now. But the like you said, the the potential is through the roof for him also. So man, just for the dynasty people, definitely this year um is 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 a lot more talented and, and it's, it's gonna make for great conversation, especially for this podcast and yep. you know, moving forward, is that okay. Who are we? Who is going to be the number one guy? And it might be who are the top four guys because the top four guys in this class have potential to be real dynasty impact guys moving forward. And I also, and Keith, I talked about this uh, last week. Man, you go back to 2009, and you might be able to go back further than that, but I just went back to 2009, and I looked at all of the early favorite quarterbacks to be like the number one quarterback, the number two quarterback off the board from 2009 to 2021. Do you want to know how many times the presumed projected top quarterback ended up going into that college season, balling out and then being drafted as the top quarterback that that upcoming draft cycle? How from 2009? Hit me with a stat. Keith, from 2009 to 2021, there have only been three times, three times based on what I've looked up, where the consensus viewed way too early QB1 going into that fall ended up being the top quarterback in the NFL draft. It happened in 09 with Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford going into his final year at Georgia, he was viewed as the top quarterback and he ended up being the top pick by the Lions. 2012, 2012, that was the Andrew Luck class. Andrew Luck was viewed as the top quarterback going in, drafted as the top quarterback. And then the last year was 2021 with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, by most, was viewed as the top quarterback mm-hmm. in 2021, and he was drafted as QB1. Keith, 2011, that was the year Cam Newton went as the top quarterback. I went through every early mock draft. Nobody had Cam Newton in the first round. Nobody knew of him. Like, can can we can we say that? Like, he he came out of nowhere, straight from JUCO, and said, "You know what? I'm gonna put this whole team on my back and go be the number one overall pick." 2020, it wasn't tank for Joe Burrow. It wasn't tank for Justin Herbert. It was tank for Tua. It was right. tank for Tua. Yep. The, Joe Burrow. And and the funny thing about that is. I believe it was that bowl game that y'all played in. Like, he balled out that last um, bowl game. UCF, yep. That, yep. that was another one we talk about guts. I remember, I remember yeah. he came off the sideline with a busted chin, yep. bleeding, and that, that began the legend of Joe Burrow. And, that, that right there. But here's the thing. I watched that, and I was like, yeah, he's cool, but nah, he's not. He's not He's not an yeah. NFL caliber quarterback, right? And then he's he's ends up being what we see, like – you go back, I think 2013, everybody thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the number one pick, and it was it was Blake Bortles. Like, Blake Bortles wasn't yeah. in no – wasn't nobody talking about Blake. The, the point is, it's it's – I'm looking for the guy in 2023 that we're not talking about a ton that might be able to put his name in there. Is it going to be a Cam Ward? Is it going to be uh, – you know, in, in, is it going to be – I know uh, uh, Kyle had – Tanner McKee in the first round, right? And when a lot of people saw Tanner McKee, quarterback out of Stanford, I know the fantasy community was like, man, what? What? Tanner McKee? Nobody. But shit, man, why not Tanner McKee? I'm trying to find who's going to be that guy from 2023 that sort of comes out of nowhere to put his name on the map to be a top quarterback. Do you have any 
Any, and I'm not, we ain't gonna hold you to it, but any dart throws that you want to throw out there where people need to keep an eye on them this year? I threw out Cam Ward already, but is there any other just keep an eye out on, on this quarterback? And I've got one because we kind of talked about him in the chat and you said you ain't giving up, but who, do you have anybody that you think might emerge from the ashes this fall? Yeah, I, I have two. Um, last year, let's let's keep this thing going, right? Uh-oh. Last year, who, who was the number one consensus overall quarterback? Last Spencer year? Rattler. Spencer Rattler was yeah. his last man number one. And this year, nobody's even talking about him as a nope. draft prospect, right? Nope. He can still throw the football. So let's let's see. That that that's a that's a possibility, right? Like we it's just if we're talking mm. about a dark horse and Yes. Extremely dark horse, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dark dark horse, dark horse. Yeah, dark horse. Let's see what he do out there in South Carolina. Then my guy DJ. You oh, Keith, like, don't on, you man. do it. Don't do we it. Gotta go with it. We got to listen. He has to prove to me. When you're that talented, you have to prove to me that you're a bad quarterback. I need to see it twice, right? Like, show it to me twice that you're that bad. And then after that, I'll leave it alone, man. But. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, arm, the arm talent, I, I just I, I can't deny it. I'm sorry. I can't walk away from it and be like I'm done with it. But imagine if he puts it together, right? They're in the ACC. Yeah. They're the easier conference, right? Like they're they're the superior team when they walk into most matchups. And we have to think about this. Clemson had a down year. For Clemson, a down year was winning 10 games. Are we serious right now? So that like him going to the play, that's a very realistic opportunity, right? They have a a, a a with a sophomore running back. You know they'll get some more weapons in there. Hopefully that defense plays just a little bit better. They have two of the best defensive linemen. They have Trent Simpson. Um, so the the opportunity is there. And like I said, man, the arm talent is there. I've watched it since high school. We watched it what year before last against Notre Dame. He torched them for four hundred yards. I don't think it just left. I don't. I don't think it just went away. He didn't forget how to throw the football. Like I said, man, when you that when you have that amount of, of greatness in you, you got to prove to me twice that you that bad. This is this is going to be an interesting one, man. Because Keith, I going into last season, I uh-huh. had him locked and loaded as the number one quarterback in twenty twenty three. Like I, I put out, I put out tweets, videos. <laughs> Because you're talking about 6'4", I think he lost a little bit of weight, 240, whatever he is. Yeah. He's, I'm not going to say he's a dual threat, but he's mobile. Like he's got, he can, he's not a statue in the pocket. Yeah, he can run, he, he, you know, you know what he's similar to? Like a Donovan McNabb, right? You know how Donovan McNabb had the wheels of like Dak Prescott. They like could that. be running quarterbacks, but they choose not to most of the times. It's, it's, it's that type of athleticism. Yes. So he's, he's not a sitting duck. The uh, arm talent that I don't even let's not I'm not even let's not even go there like that is there. <laughs> it's can and you know we've heard some things as to what may have contributed to some of his struggles, but it's I just got to see him clean it up, Keith, because twenty two hundred yards, nine touchdowns, ten interceptions. My my big thing. Ooh, that's bad. That's, that's bad. <laughs> and my big thing with quarterbacks when I'm scouting and evaluating quarterbacks, man. It's the mental, right? Like, that is why I'm a USC Trojans fan through and through. But I vi- I vividly remember the Sam Darnold hype, and I was like, man, this dude was turnover prone in college. Bad decisions, was getting bailed out by good players. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how that changes. I'm not saying it can't change at the next level, but 
a leopard normally doesn't change their stripes like that, right? Like, or spots, whatever a leopard's got. Stripes, spots, I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. I just... The, the talent and the athleticism isn't the issue. It's it's this. And he's got a young freshman in Kay Klubnik that's pretty damn good behind yeah. him as well. So, again, I'm not going to go on here and besmirch DJU's name or Spencer Rattler, but Rattler in particular, I mean, for him, it was just boneheaded throw and boneheaded decision after boneheaded decision. I mean, there were times when you were just, you knew it was coming. You'd be watching Oklahoma and I'd be sitting back, I'd be like, an interception is it's it's coming. Like it's about to happen. And then boom, sure as the sun comes up in the morning, Spencer Rattler's throwing another interception. So, but to your point though, there are people who are also in line with you, Keith, saying, like, it's not over for these cats yet. And you are right. Spencer Rattler was the supposed to be the number one pick in 2022, goes back. Now he's at South Carolina. So we shall see if he and DJU are certified good players real soon. It makes this fun, right? Like we 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 have two extremely talented guys that nobody's talking about, and then we still have another six that everybody's saying could be the number one overall pick. Man, that, that's what's going to make this year fun. And that's what's Keith, and I think that's the most exciting part about this class is there's a bunch of dudes that can push, right? Because if Anthony Richardson goes out there, and let's just say he does. Let's say he's kind of like what Cam Newton did when he went to Auburn, right? When he got that shot to start and, and Anthony Richardson starts out 5-0 and with Florida, right? They, they beat Will Levis. They beat, I think they get a game against Utah. They beat Cam Rising in Utah. And, and, and somebody his size, and he can move. Like, you, yeah. you talk about dual threat, he can do it all. And the, the, athlete, the arm talent is there. It's going to be such a fun process to watch this. And the best part about this is, that's what we do. That's this is our yeah. job. That's what we do. We ain't just watching just bomb production highlights on YouTube. We got the tape. We're diving into the reps. We're diving into the the schemes, the fits. That's what this podcast is about. We are going to talk about players from what they can do on the field and then are these players that you want to invest in in Dynasty? Is this somebody that you can build around? Is this somebody that you want to invest in? That's what we do with the Draft Network. That's what Keith Sanchez does. That's what I do, and that's what this podcast is about. So I appreciate everybody tapping in for this first episode. We'll be doing this weekly. Keith, anything you want to say to the people before we get out of here? Oh, man, stick with us. The, the podcast is called Draft Good Players. We're going to get you to the point where you're drafting good players, baby. We're the best in the business, so stick with us, rock with us. We're about to turn this thing up. That's what I'm talking about. Make sure you follow Keith on Twitter at the Talent Co. Holler at me at Ray GQ. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Subscribe to the podcast network. Tap into all the dope content creators that we have on our lineup. Leave us a rating, a review. We might get you some free shit at some point. We might send you a shirt, a hat. I can't. I don't control that. I don't even have a shirt. I don't control it. But it just just rate and review. Leave us a good comment, and we'll figure out a way to get uh, get somebody some cool stuff here at some point in the near future but for key for ray we getting out of here y'all enjoy the day we'll be back next week we out peace